1: Sign up for Score North's Pick Your Prize. You can register daily through the Score North app or go to scorenorth.com keyword prize. Sweepstakes begins March 18th. Special thanks to our prize partners.
0: These guys survived the David Kahn era of Timberwolves basketball and live to tell about it. It's flagrant howls. That's right. Timberwolves still in first place in the Western Conference here, despite a loss at Dallas last night. Got uh, the the OG Timberwolves
1: guy here and our Gophers apparel, Gopher yep. basketball support. Page. Ben Johnson, I've said the whole time, let's go. He's doing a great job. Don't fire him, Marky. Boy,
0: well, he like legitimately was. I think he was like guaranteed to get fired, right? Oh, if, yeah. If this season looked like the last couple, and now he's but now, now the expectations are <laughs> are high. Might have to launch a go-for-basketball show here on Score North somewhere. Um, The Timberwolves lose to the Mavericks last night. And so the update here, the much-talked-about 16-game stretch against playoff teams. The Wolves are 14 games into it here. We're all, as you can see, the finish line. Now, this might be the toughest leg here because you get a day off today, and then uh, you go at a feisty Orlando team that is on the rise and it's kind of under the radar but Orlando has been much improved and then a back to back at Boston the best team in the NBA. So we'll see if they can even just split those but they are 8 and 6, gentlemen, they're 8 and 6 in these in these 14 games out of 16. We kind of said if they could finish 500, yeah. 8 and 8 or better would be we would all sort of take that if you go back like 3 weeks.
1: All I know is from what I've seen on X and from Wolves fans now this is this is a terrible team. They're falling apart. These defeats, I mean thank God that long two game losing streak came to an end. I I love when teams get good and people don't know how to like be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, you know, they've lost a couple games to good teams." I I thought that Dallas game was great fun last night and yes they blew it and yes they lost and yeah it's a bad loss okay but like what i saw on twitter post game was just (laughs) yeah that first quarter inexcusable fire finch it was
0: it was a yeah that game was it is tough because in some ways we're trying to figure out how do we watch a really good wolves team do we break every game down like a football game right do we you know do, do we call for the coach to be fired after they lose a couple games So like on a micro level, yeah, they've lost four out of their last uh, three out of the last four games. You know, they're kind of playing like 500 basketball over this really tough stretch. But uh, that game against Dallas was, man, there's a couple things in there. Number one, you do have to sort of just like tip your cap a little bit to maybe the best offensive backcourt in the NBA in Kyrie Irving and Luka Doncic, right? Sure. On the other hand, the Wolves, and, and I've got four Phil's Wolves takes for you guys here, and we'll hit on some of these things. The Wolves need other scoring options and they just they don't have great ways to microwave offense. But I'll hit you with this. I'll hit you with um Phil's Wolves take number one. Anthony Edwards is emerging as one of the NBA's unstoppable forces. So in any given year or any given era, there's like, you know, a group of five or six or seven players that offensively, especially, are just Good luck on any given night. Luca is in that category. I think Giannis, in his own way, has been there. Joel Embiid, right? Get this. In his last 12 games, and, and, and I bring this up. I know it's kind of a small sample size. It's 12 games, and he's been in the league now. This is his fourth year. But he's been ascending for those four years, and he even said a couple weeks ago himself, hey, I'm kind of realizing I can just score whenever I want to now, and so I'm just going to shoot even more. And last night he even said, guy, I only only took one shot in the last three minutes. I need to be shooting more in the last three minutes. I need to just, I'm the guy in the last three minutes. And so he self-reflected after last night's game. So he's making a concerted effort to get to that next level offensively. And he's doing it efficiently. Last 12 games, he's averaging 32 points, five rebounds, five assists, two steals and a block on 50% from the field. 42% from three, 84% from the free throw line, and he's averaging nine free throws per game over those 12 games. So if you took those numbers, I get it's a 12-game sample size. It's probably his best offensive 12-game sample of his career. But if you took those numbers and compared them to the entire NBA this season, he'd rank third in scoring behind only Luka and Joel Embiid. And he'd rank third in free throw attempts per game behind only Joel Embiid and Giannis. So I guess it's up to you. Do you, do you think it's just a really good 12-game stretch, and he's hot, and he's also playing some of the best teams in the NBA over these 12 games? Or is he getting to a level that is sustainable now, kind of that, that end-game stage where he is just going to be now, from now until the end of his prime, one of the top unstoppable four scorers in the NBA? I think he's graduating to a new level in front of our eyes.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Yeah. I, I think it's definitely door two. Um now now to what you said before though, he does probably or certainly need more help. Like like I don't think he should I don't think he should think that I have to take all the shots. Um and, and in his I think partially frustration, that's what he's saying to us at yeah. a certain point. So it would be nice to get him help, but I also think we are witnessing a star player and you know, my God, I, the offense was great last night. But how about that ridiculous block?
0: Oh my God! Yeah, it was a volleyball play, dude. It was like
1: yeah. bump set. What a what a <laughs> what a fantastic play! What a fun play! Yeah. Um, but so, do you think the fact that I I think the stat was or the factoid was that he did take one shot over the last three. Minutes of that game. Do you think that's on him? Do you think that's on what was drawn up? Like, like where does the because that 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 did seem odd. I will say that
0: they're they're doubling him. So they're I mean they're trapping him. They're doubling him, and he and he's kind of said. I mean it's a little bit like our Kirk Cousins conversations over the years where, oh they're playing they're playing, you know two deep safeties or they're 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 bracket covering Justin Jefferson. So I had to go throw a ball to somebody else, and. At some point, Kirk Cousins with Kevin O'Connell in his ear was like, you know why you just throw throw it up to your best player. And Anthony Edwards kind of talked through this after the game last night. He's like, yeah, I mean, they're running doubles at me because they know it's a close game late and I'm the number one option. And so he's trying to make plays for other people. He's doing the right thing, which is get the ball moving and get the ball to somebody else. But maybe the right thing more often. And I don't know what the answer is because I think he has to be a playmaker for this team to be better. I don't want him to just be you know, selfishly taking 25 or 30 shots at the expense of the team being great. Uh, but he's also like, if you think about it, Kyle and I talked about this last week, I think on the Thursday episode, it's a little, they're, they're, especially with guards, when you start to realize as a young player in your early 20s, you've kind of, you've, you came in, you were a kid when you came in the league. It's a bunch of adults, a bunch of grown ass men making millions of dollars and pushing you around a little bit. And uh but you realize after your second year, your third year, your fourth year, whatever it is, okay, yeah, I can hang at minimum and I can actually just be the best player on the court at any time I'm there. And you kind of start feeling yourself a little bit like, oh, this is great. Yeah, I came in, I was nineteen years old, now I'm twenty two right. and I'm You're strong. I'm a grown ass man. I can score thirty points on any of these guys. You start to flex that muscle, it feels good. Go look at like Michael Jordan. Michael Jordan was a little earlier coming in. He was, or he was uh, a little bit older coming into the league because he played three years at North Carolina. But it was like year two or year three after the foot injury, and he's averaging like thirty-seven a game, thirty-five a game because he can, and it's fun, right? Mm -hmm. And the team wasn't performing as well. Some of it was because they didn't have Scottie Pippen yet. But Phil Jackson comes in. He's like, okay, you've had your fun. We know you can win scoring titles. Can you use some of your superpowers? to make your teammates better and just get the overall operation better. Kobe was kind of the same way, but later, because when Kobe came in, he was with Shaq right away, and so Kobe was kind of secondary. I mean, Shaq was the guy on that team. But then Shaq, they have the falling out. Shaq gets traded to the Heat, and like a year later, so now now Kobe's in like his mid to late 20s, and he's looking around saying, finally, I can flex this muscle. I should have five scoring titles. I'm going to go win a couple scoring titles. It's like the scoring title muscle. And I kind of feel like that's where Ant is now. He's looking around saying, I mean, I can... Sp- Joel Embiid's getting all this praise, right? Giannis over here, like, I can score right. 35 or 40 points whenever I want to, too. So can you flex that muscle without it taking away from the overall team aspect? But then, like, to take number two here, Phils Wolf's takes number two. It's so glaring, the need for a third scorer on this team. I don't blame Anthony Edwards for saying, all right, well, if Cat's if not scoring... It's either me or Kat. Because if you look right now, in terms of like who's going to shoulder offensive load on this team, Anthony Edwards averages 27 points a game. Carl Anthony Towns averages 22 points a game. The next closest player to those guys is Nas Reed off the bench averaging 12 points per game. Boston Celtics, on the other hand, who you're going to see here in a couple nights, they've got Jason Tatum averaging 27.5. They've got Jalen Brown averaging 23. Okay, for some reason, if those guys aren't enough for you, Christoph's Porzingis, who's been a twenty-point guy for, you know, a number of years in his career, he is averaging twenty-point. I mean, Christoph's Porzingis was like twenty-five points a game at one point. Okay, those guys aren't enough. Derek White come on down 17 points a game, you know, sniper three-point shooter. So um I don't blame Anthony Edwards for looking around and saying, well, I guess if if Katz doesn't have it going, or even if he does, like the only two real microwave offense options on this team are carl anthony towns and anthony edwards it's the number one thing they probably need at the trade deadline it's just someone else to come in here and be able to get you 15 or 20 points on a more regular basis
1: what's potentially out there for that
0: fix so there's some interesting i mean it's it's hard because they don't have a lot of salaries like they're not moving carl anthony towns mid-season i don't i don't think Especially if you're looking to solve your offensive problem, are you going to trade your only other really good offensive player to, I'd have to see the net return on that. How would you get better offensively by trading Carl Anthony Towns? Um, A listener sent a list actually a couple days ago of all the players making between like eight and $15 million, which is kind of the range that they'd be able to swap contracts on. And there's really, it's. I mean, it's like there's like maybe 10 or 12 names on a list, and half of them are playing for teams that would never trade them right now because they're also contending. So, I mean, there's like a Doug McDermott in San Antonio. He's one of the best three-point shooters in the NBA playing on one of the worst teams in the league. He doesn't fit their timeline. You could afford his contract. He is atrocious defensively. I mean, he's literally a guy that you'd put out there for 15, 18, maybe 20 minutes just to shoot threes when he comes off the bench but you'd have to insulate. And that's another philosophical question. It's like, okay, let's say you move off Kyle Anderson for a Doug McDermott. You take a guy that's kind of a glue, chemistry, defensive guy that doesn't score for a guy that doesn't play any defense but shoots threes. Is that a net positive for your team or should you just keep leaning into defense? So they're they're going to and they don't have a bunch of tradable contracts. You're not trading Rudy, you're not trading Cat, you're not trading Anthony Edwards or Jaden McDaniels. You're not trading Nas Reed, so it's like, what can you get for Kyle Anderson, who makes ten million, Shake Milton, who makes five and has another year left, but he's terrible right now. You know, it's because you got you got to match the contracts within twenty five percent in the NBA. So, but it is, it is the glaring need. It's who is the third scorer on this team, and if the answer is Nas Reed or nobody who can you get in the next month or so to to help with that load?
2: And I, I think too, you have to figure out if like you have not, you don't want to be taken away like a lot of shots, obviously still from Ant and Towns, but you just need a reliable third option here. Uh, like Malik Beasley was a chucker by the end of it, right? Like he was just chucking up shots all the time. You don't want to like plug in someone who's just going to throw up 16 bricks. And yeah, he might hit eight or nine of them on a hot night, but he's mostly only going to make three or four of them and just shipwreck possessions. So I think finding the guy that can still provide a little bit of spark, but without also taking away like the key shots from Mm -hmm. Ant and Cat, too. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious, ready-to-eat meals, always fresh, chef-crafted, dietitian approved and ready to go in just two minutes. From pancakes to smoothies to meals and more, discover a wide variety of easy options for the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. And if you're always on the go and eating a quick and easy way to find something to eat, you need to try Factor Meals. They have an easy-to-use website. Factor is also flexible. Change up your order every week with plans from six to six, 18 meals per week, or pause or reschedule your delivery at any time. You can sign up and save. And we've done the math. Factor is less expensive than takeout, and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com/slash Howells50 and use code Howells50 to get 50% off. That's code Howells50 at factormeals.com to get 50% off. Go check out Factor Meals.
0: Yeah, it would be I mean you be you would just be eating into I mean if you like put on the roster right now for instance. Okay, so you got Cat and Ant, those guys can score. Those guys are going to give you an average of like 50 points a night or whatever it is. Mike Conley, great three-point. He's in the best three-point shooting season of his career, he's shooting like 45% from three. He's just getting a ton of wide open looks. He's making them. He'll give you some floaters. I don't remember the last time he scored 20 points. Has he I don't think he has any 20-point games. He's not going to be a guy that's going to carry your offense for a night, you know. Like if Cat or Ant are out, right. Mike Conley's not leveling right. up to score like thirty points that night. He's just not. Right. Shake Milton did uh, not oftentimes, but like there was times in Philadelphia where Shake Milton would do this. This is kind of why he was brought here, not to score thirty, but like, hey, can you bring some punch? Can you can you get ten to fifteen on a regular basis? And it has not worked. He's basically out of the rotation. Jaden McDaniels, we'll talk more about him in another take here, but his offense has taken a step back in a year where you're hoping it would go the other way. Yep. Uh, Nas Reed, he, he'll he get you points. He's the third leading scorer on this team. Kyle Anderson has basically stopped scoring altogether. Yep. He took like one shot in 20 minutes last night. Uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker is a good spark plug player, but he's not really ready to be like your third scorer now. And then Troy Brown Jr., there's going to be months where you don't really play him. There's going to be another month where he like helps win a few games with his streaky shooting. Jordan McLaughlin is in your rotation. He can help create offense by being an organizer, yeah, but he's, he's been, not the guy that's going to score 18 points
1: for you. He's been a pleasant surprise of late for sure, but yeah, I don't think you can. You you can't say, well, now that, that he's been a pleasant surprise, go score a lot. Like, that's not. No, no I, I think not. you're right. And, and the thing about it is, too, the one thing about this um, 16 game span that I think is really good is it gives you an idea. And last night's a perfect example of what the playoffs are going to be like, right? Like last night's game was really intense. It was like a, a playoff game, mm-hmm. and you're going against team, and you're going against teams that, when they're playing their entire lineup, will really test you. So I, I actually think this 16 game span provides a great window into what you probably need to address. Yep. In, instead of cuz you know, if you get to the first round of the playoffs and you get a matchup like that and you've addressed nothing, you might get bounced and people will be disappointed and it won't be fun. But the reality is this is at least giving you a look to okay, these are the these are the areas where teams are going to attack us and if we're not playing a bad team, these this is where we can lose games. Yep.
0: No, these are good. this is a great test. And if again, if they come out of this thing even if they lose, I think they're going to split I think they beat Orlando and they lose to Boston. And so I think they're going to wind up, I guess it'd be nine and seven in those 16 games. Yeah. And you're drubbing the bad teams and you're drubbing some of the good teams too. Like at the end of the day, again, remember what, what you thought going into the 16 games. Did anyone say 12 and four? They're going to go 12 and four against some of the best teams in the league. No, hold your own and punch with them. And that's kind of what they're doing. Um, I got two more Wolves takes for you here, but Judd, tell the audience, now that it's January, people are trying to change their habits, change their lives. You lost 40 pounds a couple of years ago with Livia. How can the audience lose some weight, Well, be ready they, they for can, their playoff run?
1: Exactly right. They, they can go from being the sports down on the left to the sports stand on the right by uh, by joining Livia Weight Control Centers right now, and it's the new year. So this is a perfect time to get started by spring, you know what? You're going to be slim and trim, and all those clothes that might not fit now are going to fit. And here's the best part. Because this program works and because they help you through it, you are going to keep that weight off. And you're going to do it, But by the way, if you join now, by getting the first three months for free. That's right, three months for free, 855-GO-L-I-V-E-A. Livia.com, and they are also now offering breakthrough weight loss medication options as well. Again, your starting place, Livia, dot com. inside or, or outside the state. It doesn't matter because the whole thing can be done virtually, so check them out. Get on that weight loss train today, Livia.com.
0: And while we're hitting that reset button here in January for a new year, Zero Res can help you hit that reset button on your dirty home, your dirty carpets, your air ducts, you're breathing in that disgusting air. Get that clean, deep breath feeling oh, inside goodness. your house. That new house smell with Zero Res. 4.9 out of 5-star rating on Google with over 17,000 reviews. If you call or go to ZeroResMinnesota.com, you can get three rooms Zero Resified starting at just $119. That's the Score North Special. So ask for the Score North Special. You'll get those three rooms Zero Resified for just $119. And this month, you can take $75 off when you get your air ducts cleaned as well. Nine five two zero 0 res or ZeroResMinnesota.com. Spell it forward or backwards. It spells the same. Zero-Res. Okay. Wolves take number three. Kyle Anderson is becoming a problem, unfortunately, because he was such a great glue guy for this team last year. One of the best free agent signings in franchise history. But the eye test, no pun intended, and the numbers tell a different story from last year. So last year the Wolves were four points better per 100 possessions when Kyle was on the court versus off the court. So he was kind of a fixer. You could bring him in, and, and, and when Carl was out, he was playing more four. You know they could play some smaller lineups, and he was just like the perfect chess piece you could move around. And he even shot pretty respectably from three point range. He wasn't brought here, as Chris Finch has said, to shoot threes, but like if he's open, you know, I think he was like right around league average last year. Sure. Huh? So they were four points better when he was on the court per 100 possessions from when he was off the court last year. This year, the Wolves are six points worse per 100 possessions when Kyle is on the court versus off the court. That's a 10 point net difference from the value he brought last year compared to this year per 100 possessions. His offense has fallen off. It was never like elite or great, but he has now just stopped taking threes. And the threes he does take, he's shooting like 11% or something or 12% from three point range. And so, you know, from a defensive standpoint, he deals, he does still bring you some value, but they have to make a decision. Can they move his, and it's a, it's a valuable contract. It's an expiring contract. It's $10 million. Some team that wants to free up $10 million in space, would take that contract on and then let it expire after the year. Could you take him and swap him for an offensive centric player? And the other complicated question too, to your, you know, Judd, you were asking who's available. It's got to be a player that also comes off the books almost certainly for next year because you right. don't want to take on ten million dollars when you're already dealing with major luxury tax issues. Right. But they got they either have to figure out a way for the offense to be better when he's on the court or they have to just move him for something that can help them in the last
1: couple months of the season. What would be the key to getting him right? And by right, I don't mean great. I I just mean, again, productive offensively. Well, I think if he could –
0: we're not asking for a lot, but like if he right. could knock down some open – I mean, there's literally games where he's – the Knicks game the other – like last week during the Christmas week, I mean, he, he – he's wide open in the corner and Jade McDaniels fires him a pass. Like it was like a broken, it was Either broken coverage or they just aren't guarding him in the corner anymore. Kind of both. And he's not even shooting those. Right. So I don't know what the fix is. If he's not going to shoot those, he's not going to make those And the, I mean, the offensive net rating is down like five or six points per 100 from last year. I mean, it, the offense right. wasn't great with him on the court last year, but it was a lot better than it is this year when he's on the court. So
1: is, is the starting point that he's just, Is he deferring to Ant more like what is because he yeah, he did shoot enough last year and and seemed to have pretty good chemistry with Gobert as well, if I remember correctly. Yeah,
0: well, you also have like whether I mean deferring to if he should be deferring to Ant. Right. But but I mean, but when Ant's not on the court or when or when Ant isn't, you know, maybe he's not open or whatever it is that that kind of gets back to the core problem is. You got Kyle Anderson. If it's not, if you're not deferring to Ant, there's not that many guys to defer to that are going right. to get you a bucket. <laughs> so. But if
1: Ant's being doubled and gets the ball to you and you can't make the shot, you can't make a shot or you don't even trust yourself, that becomes a problem too. That is the problem. Yeah. Right. But But, I mean, it's like the run game in football. It doesn't have to be great, but it has to be a threat, like some type of threat. And it feels like Kyle's presence on the court offensively is now, unfortunately, only a threat to the Timberwolves.
0: Yeah, which brings me to my fourth and final take for this uh, Declan, episode of Flagrant House. Cover
1: years, Declan. Cover years. I think I know what this is. Yeah, I know what it is. Do you? Maybe. I don't I know I if do. you do. I think I do. I think you mentioned it. I think you teased it earlier in the show.
0: Jaden McDaniels has been underwhelming this season.
1: That's what I thought it was. Okay. No question. I sent you a note last night about that.
0: Yep. Let's talk about it. So he. So defense check. Like he's. He's going to, I mean, last night, you know, you're never going to shut those guys down completely. But, like, he's right. flustering Luca. I mean, he's he's going to be a defensive pest. He's one of the best on-ball perimeter defenders. That's great. That's a given. His scoring is down from last year. He's just kind of, like, he's kind of a wallflower on most nights offensively. He was one for, was he one for ten last yeah, night?
1: Yeah, that's well put. Wallflower is perfect word.
0: He's just kind of like you. Like you go to a junior high dance or something, and he's just kind of like you know he's up against he's in the, the corner wall, with uh, a punch,
1: you know, glass of punch.
0: Yeah, just kind of like hands in his pockets, creepy pockets. Um, the other thing too is like he, he's not being asked to rebound as much because he's out there oftentimes with Cat and Gobert, and I get like those guys are going to scoop up a lot of the rebounds, but he was averaging four rebounds per game the last couple of years. It's down to two, so. Okay, I get it. You're you're focusing a lot on making sure you get back on defense. You're going to you're making sure you're locked in on who you're supposed to be on, but like there's got to be some bandwidth to do other things on the court. And Chris Finch was asked about his offense and like, "Hey, how come what's preventing Jaden McDaniels from being like the third scoring option is wide open on this team right now?" Right. He is a skilled player. If you look actually at his shot chart. So He's, he's an above-league-average three-point shooter. He, sh- he's like, he was 40% last year. He's, di- he's dipped to, like, 35. So, so he's, like, a, a league-average to slightly above-league-average three-point shooter. He can take threes, and we've seen that. He also shoots 76% from the rim, which is really good. When he gets to the rim, he converts and he finishes. He shoots 55% from between 3 and 16 feet, that sort of floater range, that mid-range game you know the he uses the backboard once in a while when he takes these shots he makes the shots and so chris finch was asked about hey how do you how do you get jaden mcdaniel's more involved he goes someone's got to pass on the ball he goes he's not a guy that we're going to run plays for and chris finch has more, more of a free he's not calling plays every time down it's more of a free flowing right offense and jaden mcdaniel's whether it's because he's like not vocal enough or his teammates aren't thinking about him or it's just like He's out there a lot because he's starting with Carl Anthony Towns and Anthony Edwards. I don't know, but there's there's a lot more offense to tap into there with him. He's taken steps back as an offensive player and a rebounder. Um, And I just, you know, he just signed that contract. That was my biggest worry is that you're signing this contract. It's awesome that you're a defensive stopper, but you need to do more than just be a defensive stopper. You need to be contributing. And I think at some point it's not unrealistic to say that he should be the third scorer behind, on, on this roster, he should be the third scorer behind Anthony Edwards and Carl Anthony Towns. I think he's capable of being like a 15, 16 points per game guy. He plays the minutes, certainly. Mm-hmm. So he's just been, I guess my take is, he's, he's just been underwhelming for me
1: this year. Is 10 shot, but I mean, so to to Chris Finch's quote or his point, you know, one for ten, ten shots, five three-point attempts seems like enough to me. Yeah, that... well,
0: there's well, last there, there's last night, and then there's the like last night. Yeah. he just had a bad night offensively right. on right.
1: the on
0: the season. He's shooting fifty-one percent from the field on uh, only four and a half attempts per game. I'm sorry, on eight and a half attempts per game. I think he should be taking over to, like at those percentages, unless he's forcing bad shots, like. He should sure. be taking way more than eight and a half shots a game so with those should percentages. So he be the third guy. Yes. He could be. Maybe Nas Reed's the third, but like, Jaden McDaniels should be scoring well, more than 10 points he's a He's
1: a threat as a third guy.
0: Yep. Yeah, Like, there should be nights where
2: he's scoring 25 points here and there.
0: Right. Not every night, but he's, he, we need a little bit more
1: out of Jaden McDaniels.
2: Well, I mean, he has been underwhelming like in in the game against New Orleans, like he was okay stat wise, but still just not making the shots he should. And I think we're kind of in the phase where we do this with a lot of different Minnesota athletes of the theory of what if he reaches his full potential. And look, he is still twenty three years old. He's very young. But at this point, like, I mean, he's played four years in the NBA unless there's a team philosophy change to really feed him the ball more this is who he is. This is a 10 to 12 point a night guy. He's not going to shoot a ton unless he's force fed the ball. And I don't think you should be force feeding the ball like he has been ineffective. And I don't necessarily know if there's something that can like snap things out to get him the ball more to get more in a rhythm if that's good. Because again, that takes away shots from Ant and Cat. But I think we kind of just know who he is, which is a very elite defender and a guy who should be in the corner making more threes. But at the end of the day, he's also not going to be getting the ball a ton. And I don't think we should be force feeding him either. So I think he's just kind of stuck a little bit in a rut. It's been a sticky season for him in a bad way, but I think he can also still get out of this. And I
0: disagree that he is who he is. Cause I think in the NBA, there's a lot of room between age 22 and age 27 to get, there's a lot of examples. I mean, DeMar DeRozan, like there's a bunch of examples of guys that it took them five, six, seven years before their offensive game really flourished at its peak. But If you look, for instance, too, so um, if you just look at the Wolves players, effective field goal percentages. So that's essentially uh, it takes into account that three point shots are more efficient and worth more. But it's how efficient are you as a scorer? So Rudy, Rudy Gobert almost always ranks number one on the team in effective field goal percentage because he has a really high shooting percentage. He's he's not missing a lot of shots. So he's just going to have a higher percentage. Mm -hmm. Mike Conley is second because he's knocking down 45 percent of his threes. Nas Reed is third because he's knocking down a bunch of threes and shooting 50% from the field. Jade McDaniels is next on that list. Yeah. His effect, like he is an efficient scorer. And so there's there's just got to be a way. I'm not saying he's going to wind up being, you know, a 25 points per game guy long term, but 10, we got to get that thing up to like 15 or 16 somehow. Some of it's probably on him. Some of it's on his teammates. Some of it's on Finchie, but.
1: And I don't think you you sign into that contract to just accept the present or status quo, right? Like you sign them to that co- contract. Cause there should be more there. Yes. And yeah, that that's fine. If it's on him, if it's on Finch, if it's on the team, but I think your point from the top of the show is spot on, which is if you're going to have a playoff run, you probably can't not have a third score.
0: Yeah. They, they, they can still hang their hat on being, I think they're still the number one defense in the NBA, according to, uh, the metrics. So you can get away with a lot more when you are the number sure. one defense, but, but you're not yeah. winning the championship without exactly. a third scoring option,
1: right? So, hey, I, I got a question for you, and it's probably premature right now, uh, but I got a name to throw at you as far as part of this, um, part of the solution for the future of this franchise. Okay. Leonard Miller. I don't know if he's a this year solution. Right. There, so,
0: like he's, where if you look at his box scores, he is lighting it up offensively in Iowa for the G League Wolves. Yep. But, there, and I, I will admit, like, I'm not glued to these Iowa Wolves games, but there are some smart people in the Wolves blogosphere that are. Mm-hmm. And there's just a lot of, like, immaturity stuff, just, like, non existent defense, stretches in games where he's, like, doesn't know where to be. There's things that just won't. I mean, Chris Chris Finch isn't playing Josh Minot. Chris Finch isn't. Right. They have, like, first-round picks that aren't playing in NBA games, even though they're playing eight-and-a-half-man rotation. So I think Leonard Miller is for sure, at minimum, a summer away from being, like, a key role player on this team. Maybe I'm wrong, but but to your point, I mean, they're going to be open for business for someone to come in on a cheap contract Right now they're open for business for someone to come in and score some points, right. but next year in particular, they're going to want to move away from luxury tax land as right. much as they can, and so it'd be great. But, yeah, offensively, hes I mean, you could probably put him in a game and he'd score some points in the NBA game right now, but I just don't know that they trust him enough to do that. Sure. So we'll see. If there's an injury or two, like if Cat goes down again or something. It's always about the mean, prospects.
1: It's always about the prospects, gentlemen. Yeah,
0: he's a, and he's a fun one. He's absolutely a fun one. Um, one more thing on Jade McDaniel. So we we compared last year, the first three years of his career, to another former first round pick, San Antonio, 2011 2012, Kawhi Leonard, same ages, like you know, nine twenty, twenty-one. Both those guys had nearly identical numbers and measurements and everything the first three years, and then Kawhi in year four started to go toward. Okay, I'm going to go up to 16.5 points a game. I'm going to lead the league in a couple categories defensively, and then I'm going to be an all-star in my fifth year. Jade McDaniels has taken a slight step back in his fourth year. So, uh, breaking news, he's not on the Kawhi Leonard track. I he's guess, off that is, track. Is the fifth take here. But, but yeah, like you'd like to see a little bit more progression going into year four. It took Kawhi. Kawhi didn't become a fully realized version of himself until his sixth year in the league, age 25 and then he took another jump even like once he got to the clippers like the raptors and the clippers so there is room over the next few years but does he does he take it does he you does he go to that next step
1: intrigues me about him too because his style of play and his intensity on defense is really impressive at times like he definitely he definitely goes into the game with an edge that that helps him but what i'm intrigued about with him is how how does he learn to dial that down at the right times cuz like you don't want to take a guy like that and be like you got to calm down all the time and you got to because that's part of the chip on, on his shoulder and the anger is part of what actually makes him effective mm-hmm. defensively but like that tech last week late in that game which is just completely the you LeBron know, yeah. yeah unnecessary doesn't do yet any good things like that there are times punching a wall for instance you know so it's like how do, you, how do you tone that down to a simmering rage instead of an out and outrage because you don't want to tell them, "Hey dude, you well, got to tone everything." you know or that's how, not how about you the style.
0: channel that rage into your offensive game? I mean, that's what well, Anthony maybe, Edwards does sometimes. It's like, maybe, all right, yeah. I'm getting screwed by the officials that we're losing in this game. Oh, I'm going to go and just like score 10 points in the next four possessions,
1: you know After watching. Luca last night. I apologize to everyone I previously thought was tough on officials. Oh, yeah. Watching him. Oh, he's the George
0: Washington on the Mount Rushmore. It's just
1: incredible. Also, isn't it
0: funny that he's just like he's kind of schleppy, too? Oh, yeah. He's
2: going to be a fat guy. Yeah, he looks like you had, like it's a guy you have beers with at the bar. Yeah. In a good way, by the way. I don't mean that in a negative way. He bitches about
1: work. And just complains about work constantly. Like, how does a guy that he's clearly like
2: Fifteen pounds
0: heavier than he probably could be if he took working out as seriously as like a Kobe or somebody.
1: Oh God, yeah, you know, but he's still, well, he still he still dominates. <laughs> it's uh, yeah, he is. He looks like he belongs in the NBA circa 1975.
0: Yeah, just uh, schlepping around, shooting shooting bank shots. And he's got from those patches he
1: he wears on for like re- recovery purposes.
0: It's the cupping. He has the cupping. Yeah, on yeah, ours. the cupping
1: things. He yeah. comes out with the cupping things on and then he just absolutely kills. But the amount that he complains, you know, last night, and it's hilarious because the, the, uh, the boom mics are picking up this, you know, come on, what are you talking about there?
0: <laughs> yeah, it is funny. I mean, there is a, I don't like the way that Carl and even Anthony Edwards does it. I don't like how they get fixated on it so much, yeah. but obviously there are other examples and Luca is the number one and, um, and Carl, in particular, I think, has a case to be made. There's been some great videos, too, of, like, here's a play that Carl made and a play that somebody else made. It's the same play, and the officials call it the other way. Like, Carl, yes. but Carl, and, and you know, Luca has a way, I think, of, like, almost intimidating officials into calling for his favor eventually. Yes, Carl kind of does it in a passive way where he's, like, complaining without making eye contact. I almost feel like if if Carl were to, like, actually look through an official soul and walk up to him in the now way Carl that Luca do does that. and like You're intimidate right. them with confidence. But he kind of does it in this passive, annoying way. Well, and Carl people also are going to hammer of, me for this. I'm sure, but
1: Carl also sort of whines, and Lu- Luca sort of attacks. Like it's an immediate, like, what are you talking about? And yeah. Carl's, it's more of like an alpha attack. Carl's but you know what? Beta as far as the calls go, Jim Pete has, has this down. He's a thousand percent, right? Part of Carl's problem is he draws fouls that don't get called. Cause he flops. Jim Pete's whole thing is stay up. You've got to stay up. Yeah, move, move, but don't go down.
0: Right, like make it clear that there was contact, but don't hit the deck. Yep. Yeah, it's almost too much of an exaggeration. Yeah. So, all right, there's a there's a handful of wolves takes for you guys on this Monday. We'll hit you with uh, another episode tomorrow with Kyle coming in, and we'll see if the Wolves can finish out this dreaded 16 game stretch against exclusively playoff teams, where they're they're eight and six right now. Uh, This is your favorite Timberwolves lifestyle podcast, Flagger and Howells.